Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for what's happened so far. We're excited for what's about to happen. Jesus, would you help me communicate and would you help us receive? Um, and would you help the church, the body, minister to itself this morning in the name of Jesus? Amen. I say that, I end my prayer with that, because I actually don't feel like tonight, tonight, this morning, is about the preacher. It's not at all. In fact, if I could just preach for one minute and then sit down, I'd be done. I, I, when I normally prepare a preach, I normally put together the framework, the structure, the scriptures. I get it ready. And then I think, maybe there's an opportunity at the end to do some sort of response and ministry. And that happens every now and then. This occasion is the first time it's ever happened to me, where I actually... I felt like I wanted to, I knew how to end the message before I knew how to start it. And I knew, in, in some ways, the, the, the rest of the message is going to lay a, hopefully, lay a foundation for what I really want to do at the end, or actually partway through my message, which is allow you, as the church, to minister to you, the church. I felt as if, you know, the, the theme for this morning is together. And it isn't about one person ministering to you. I want to give... And we're going to try something different, it, and you can help me with this. So I want, I want you to be prepared, first of all, for audience participation. This is not a one-man job. Second of all, if you're in the room and you like praying for people, we need you. If you're in the room and you're feeling pretty good, you're, pretty, you're feeling pretty hot with Jesus right now, we need you. And likewise, if you're in the room and you're feeling a little bit dry, you're feeling a little bit weary, you're feeling you've got an issue, you've got a prayer list the length of your arm, You've got issues. You've got stuff going on. We don't need you to tell me what it is. You don't, we don't need to kind of discuss that in any detail with anyone. We're going to just help one another in a moment, hopefully, at the end of this message, that I, if, if this works, then I really believe that people are going to walk out of this room changed. I really believe that. I kind of had images, now forgive me, images of tears and snotty noses. I had images of people putting an arm around one another. I had images of hugs. I had images of somebody putting a hand on a shoulder and saying, you know what, it's going to be okay. I had images of, of people um, really being changed. And it's not about these words. I put some words on paper, prepared some notes, but really I could sit down and allow the song which we just sang, well, before the, the last one, Good Grace. I felt there was something about the song, Good Grace. And we'll get onto that in a moment. But I remember singing this song. The first time I ever sang it live was actually in Costa Coffee in Newcastle Town Centre. Some of the young adults um, led us in this song in Costa. And it was just this beautiful picture of community, of people, as the first line says, people coming together. Different nationalities, different walks of life, different experiences of life, different sort of opinions and preferences about church and about worship. And people came together. And it's not about the words in some ways, the whoa, whoa, whoa. That chant is is enough for me. We could just do that over and over. And I think we might. (laughs) But there was something in that song about people coming together. And I felt, well, I felt like it ministered to me when they said, led it. The same thing happened this morning when these guys led it. I turned around in the first song this morning and I watched and looked at the congregation. I was like, wow, you are ministering to me right now. I feel like I can preach this message. I've had doubts all week about whether I should even bother with this. And I turned around and I thought, how are the congregation doing? Are they ready for something? Are they ready to minister to one another? Turn around, first song won't stop now. The church ministered to me. And it was as if God said, Let's do this thing. So we're going to try something different. In between now and then, I'm going to try a normal preach. We'll see how we get on. But I want to remind you of the image that Paul um, drew. I think it's on screen. Uh, there's a river there. This is an image of, this is what Paul showed on Vision Sunday. And, and as, as we talked, as Paul mentioned, we're looking, at re, we're looking at the focus from earlier this year 
vision, becoming breathed new life. There's trees as far as the eye can see. They're all together by the river. Jesus centered and they're rooted. They're planted. And I was, thinking, I was listening to Sarah's message because I wasn't here on Sunday about rooted. And she was asking the question, what are your roots in? And I, this scripture came to mind in Psalm 92, verse 12. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Question number one is, are you planted in God's house? This is what this message is about. We're together. But if you're not planted, you're not with us. And I'd encourage you to be planted in God's house. There's no better place. There's no better place where you can flourish and you can be fruitful and you can be productive, planted in God's house. And I, you know, as an individual, I walk around town and I see a lot of homelessness. You, you may walk around your day-to-day life and see a lot of need. Not long ago, I was in Rwanda and we were there and I was thinking, there's so much need. And one man, I, as an individual, I can't do much. I can give a little bit, but I can't change somebody's life. But as a church, my faith, as, as Dave was praying this morning, my faith began to rise. I walk around and think, there's not much we can, I can do on my own. Oh, wow, but together. And when you just you know, take 200 people, 240 people in this room, what about if you combine that with the church, the capital C church, the church around the world? What can we do as the church, the greatest, um, not only organization, the greatest phenomenon ever created? It says in... Um, in Matthew, Jesus is talking to Peter, and in the message translation, he says, I, he gives him a new name. He says, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. And in the message, it says a church that is so expansive, with energy, not lethargy, energy. A church so expansive of energy, they're not even the gates of hell. We'll be able to keep it out. So, my title for today and the point of this message is this. There is power in together. You are not part of a club. You're not doing a hobby on a Sunday morning. You are part, if you're planted in the house of God, if you're rooted in Jesus, if, you are, if Jesus is your center, if you're part of this church or any church in the world, you're part of something powerful together is powerful. And to prove it to you, I'll go into the New Testament and a very famous scripture in Acts 2. And this is kind of the, the framework for my little mini message before we move into a bit of a mini big group hug, is what I'm going to call it. Acts 2, verse 44. All, and all the believers, there's a few believers in this room, met together, a little bit like this, in one place. And shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day. Met in homes of the Lord for the Lord's Supper. And shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I'm thankful for three people in the last two weeks that have made decisions in this church to follow Jesus. That, if that doesn't lift your faith, then I don't know what does lift your faith. That wouldn't happen if you just sent them to me as, a, as an individual. 
But bring them in an environment where we're together, the church, it could happen on a one-to-one. I'm not dismissing that, of course. But, but there was something significant about bringing people together and seeing salvation, as it says in Acts here. So three examples, there's many more, but I'm going to use this scripture and maybe one other from Acts. Three examples to prove to you, if you didn't believe me, that there is power in together. The first one, and I'll quote it, it says, they shared everything they had. Now, we just took an offering, we we received an offering is a better way of putting it. We had 25 people serve and give their time yesterday. We've had lots of people serve over... This, this week, just as one example, you may tithe, you may give a monthly um, standing order to this church, you may give one off, you may give cash, you may take a, a sum of, from your income and give to the church. It's part of this scripture sharing, but I think there's more to it than that. Because sometimes you think, well, what have I got to give? I've got no money, I've got no time, I've got nothing. What have I got to give? I look at people like Bayo on this, on this second row here and his family. They are there, and they're encouraging me when they're worshipping. Their voices, their song, their sound. The other Sunday, I, if you mean, Steph was leading worship, so I was looking after our little daughter, Abigail. And Paul mentioned there's an overflow room in the cafe. You can go and watch the message. I took Abigail out. And I don't know if he's there. I can't, I've not seen him, but I have seen him this morning. He might be on car park. But Derek, um, oh, Derek, uh, I can't pronounce his surname. He's there. He doesn't know this. But I was taking Abigail, I had my hands full, baby change, I had an Abigail in my hand, and I was struggling to get to the cafe, to get to where I needed to go. But Derek here, he was out there, he was out in the foyer, he opened the door, he saw me coming, he opened the door, he held the door, he let me through, and he said something like, God bless you, have a great morning. He didn't have to do that. Nobody else knows he did that. I'm sure every Sunday someone on the welcome team is just there to hold the door, stop it from banging. Stop. I, I couldn't get through the door. so Derek did it. He brought and shared what he had and brought it to the church. And he doesn't even think that is a big deal. But for me, I still remember it. It made a bigger impact on me than any preach or any set of worship or whatever. That made a statement to me. <laughs> So we all have something to give with what I'm saying. You don't need to be a preacher. You don't need to be a worship leader. You don't need to be a great singer. You don't need to have lots of money. You don't need to have loads of time. You don't need to do it. You just need to be in present. Present people make a difference. These guys on the second row are present. They, they enjoy worship. They spur me on. You do the same for someone else. <laughs> I'm aware. I'm, I said I wasn't going to preach, but I am preaching. <laughs> the church... Is a body. It says in Romans 12, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. And we are, we, I love this phrase, we all belong to one another. We belong to one another. We're all on the worship team. We're all on the welcome team. We all have, when someone's struggling, we're all struggling with you. When someone's had a great success, we're all succeeding and rejoicing with you. We are sharing one another's, we belong to one another. And then it says in, um, 1 Corinthians 12, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important, why am I bringing up Derek and someone holding the door for me? Because we think the preacher is more important than the person holding the door, but no, the person 
that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary together. It's not about a one-man band. It's not about somebody ministering to you. It's about the church ministering to itself, to each other. That's what this message is all about. We can achieve far more. I look at that corridor. You may have noticed the corridor's been painted. We split up into three teams yesterday, about 25 people. I think there's about seven of us on the corridor painting team. And we looked at it and we thought, in two hours, can we really paint two, you know, two coats and two lots of different paints and all the cutting in and all the intricacies around the doors and all of that? So we, that's what we did. Seven of us, two hours, that's like 14 hours total. Now, if Paul, Monday morning, was like, I'm going to paint that corridor, or me, <laughs> I would say it would take us more than 14 hours to paint that corridor. The collective group, the together, were able to achieve far more than one individual could because of the togetherness. So what you do, whether you turn up to a hands-on day, whether you're serving kids' church, whether you, you just turn up and you just encourage somebody on a Sunday morning, you're making a difference. You have a role to play. So second thing, and I'm, I'm nicking a scripture from Acts 1, so the chapter before the scripture I just read, but it's very similar. It says this, they were constantly united in prayer. Now there's a great value to private prayer. And you must pray. Your relationship with God will be dry and dead before you know it if you don't pray individually, privately, behind a closed door. But there is power when we come together to pray. When you're in a small group and one of your members is struggling and you'll gather around and you pray for that person, there is power in that moment. When you come to a prayer meeting at 6.30 on a Tuesday morning and you know, you're tired and you want a coffee, there's power in that moment. There is power when you come together. They were united. They were praying the same things. They each knew what the other person was praying for and what other people were believing for. There was power in the united prayer. United. So, I thought about this question and many many good Christians we ask this question if somebody's struggling or you know we ask can I pray for you and we do it for a couple of reasons a few are obvious a few are less obvious firstly some of us ask that question because we believe that if we pray something will happen and their, their situation will change many of us believers in this room believe that there's also an element of I don't know what else to say so I'm going to offer some comfort and it is comfortable to it's comforting to another Christian to say I'm going to stand with you and pray I haven't got the answers, I haven't got the words, but I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to offer some help to you. That's good as well. That's, that's another reason we might offer to pray. You know what else happens? And We don't necessarily always realize this, and I'd, I'd encourage you to keep asking people, how can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? This is a really good thing. Third reason, it helps the prayer. I was going, and I have to admit, but whether it's related to this message, whether it's related to coming back from annual leave and I had a lot of different things coming at me and... I was a bit anxious on Monday, Tuesday. I was a little bit overwhelmed. I don't know what it was. I was saying things that a believing Christian perhaps shouldn't be saying. I was, my, I was not a particularly good man of integrity. I'm a believer, but I'm, I don't believe in myself. And I was just venting at Steph as I often do. Just offloading. And I shouldn't do this late at night, but I do. And I've said this before on this stage. And I'm sorry, Steph. And... I nearly said the words to Steph. I nearly asked her this question. Can you pray for me? I'm really struggling. Steph, can you pray for me? But something changed in my head. A tactic. I don't know where it came from. It must have been from God. But rather than asking Steph to pray for me, I said, Steph, can I pray for you? 
I was really, I was in turmoil. And I said, Steph, can I pray for you? Because I know Steph's got stuff going on. She's got stuff with her family that's far bigger than my issues. So I said, Steph, can I pray for you? And I prayed for Steph. Within seconds, anxiety gone. Pity party, consuming me, 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 that. Gone. Changed man. Because I'd prayed for her. So when you pray for someone, don't just think, oh, it's blessing them. You're blessing yourself. You're blessing yourself. And you know what? There's a fourth reason. You didn't know this. The first two you might have known. The fourth reason you might offer to pray for somebody. And Jesus, in a situation of great despair, he was in tears when he'd lost his mate, Lazarus. Lazarus was dead. And people complained and said, Jesus, if only you'd have been here, you'd have healed him and he wouldn't have died. And Jesus was distraught by all of this. And eventually the story goes, if you know it, Lazarus comes back to life. Amazing kind of shadow of what is to come when Jesus comes back to life and comes out of the grave. A great story of victory. But this is what Jesus says in prayer to God. Thinking about how, why, why is it good to pray for people? The fourth reason. In, in John eleven forty one, they took away the stone. Then La- Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you. That you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. So when you gather together in a corporate prayer meeting, your benefit in the people that are listening to you pray for somebody or something else. That atmosphere, that environment is encouraging one another to pray and to believe your faith. Jesus prayed in that moment for Lazarus. Not because he didn't believe that Jesus wouldn't hear him. Not not because he didn't believe that Jesus wouldn't raise Lazarus from the dead. He prayed intentionally so that neighbor here could hear what he's praying. You can do the same. You can pray so that others listen and are blessed. There's power in united prayer. Third thing, and this is the last one. And this is, in some ways, this is really important for today's message. And in theory, today's response, if we get there. Going back to Acts 2, you may have picked up on three words, three key words. This is how they were stronger together. This is where the power in their togetherness came from. They worshipped together. Now, I need to add a caveat because I know, you know, most of you, that worship isn't just singing on a Sunday. It isn't just music. It's not just putting on in your ears, you know, Spotify or iTunes and, and listening to a Hillsong Beth or Elevation track. It's not just that. But for the purpose of this moment, we are coming together. We do a few things on a Sunday, pretty much every Sunday. Preach and praise. Preach and praise. Worship, preach. Worship, preach. There's very, we don't, very rarely do we, we change that. So what I'm talking about here is corporate worship. What I'm talking about here is corporate praise and worship. So what we just did and what we're about to do in a few minutes, when we gather, and I use this word because I love it, but some of you might cringe, sing. I love singing. I, now, again, going back to Steph and our relationship, <laughs> Steph will know if I'm in a bad mood because I'm not singing. 
It could be a Christmas carol in January or in, in June. It could be um, a latest worship track. It could be a nursery rhyme. and It could be a track, a, a, an intro track to one of the programs on CBeebies nowadays. It, it could be the tune that Abigail's toys play when, you know, when she's reading the story. Or it, it, whatever it is. But if I'm not singing, there's a problem. And if we're in the car and I'm not singing, Steph will put something on. And then over time, I'll start singing. It will help me. It edifies me. Singing helps me. But I know it doesn't work for everyone. I know some of you can't sing. You hate singing. You don't. That's the last thing you want to do. And you kind of just zip your mouth closed during the praise and worship here. You really don't want to get involved because you hate singing. You don't want anyone to hear your voice. You're out of tune. I want to just offer you some encouragement and give you the mic to sing. No, I won't do that. <laughs> you know, here's a question. Is God impressed with Is God impressed with the words that we sing? This is an interesting question. You can just think about it. Is he impressed with the words that we sing? Is God a an English language guru? Does he love the English language? Is it like he's is he just loving words? Give me words of affirmation. Yeah. I love your words. That's so, I love it when Joel Houston writes a song because it's so poetic. I love it when the, you know, Bethel Worship put together a new track. It's great. Is God really bothered about the words? Is God really got bothered about the guitar riff getting perfectly note, every note hit and nailed on the head? Yes, he is. (laughs) But if you can't play guitar... God doesn't expect you to hit every note on that riff for that song. It's, it, it's not a problem. You don't need to be as good as Jack. You don't need to be as good as Baz. You don't need to. It's not about being as good as Catherine on, on vocals. It's not about that. It isn't about that. Now, guys did a great job, and they do every single week a great, great job. And Hillsong do a great job. And Elevation do a great job. But is it about that? It's, it's more about the heart. It's more about... The heart. Now, let me prove it to you. Because I don't think God is a big music fan and he wants to be entertained at the latest gig on a Sunday morning. He's not going to the latest gig and kind of like, I hope they get it right. So don't worry if you're not a singer or a musician. But you can still take part in this moment of together. But le- read this scripture. And I'm nearly getting there. And I think we're going to be okay for time. So yes. Ephesians 5 verse 19 You could replace the word speaking here with singing, but we'll read it as it is in the NIV. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. That helps me, especially if you're not a good singer. You know what? From the heart... It doesn't matter. You can be the greatest singer. You can be the most eloquent speaker. You can be the greatest musician, the most creative person on earth from the heart. Because no one can hear the heart, only God's. But our words, interestingly, the things and the psalms and the songs and the hymns that we sing to each other, we, we sing to each other. So there's a point to corporate worship in that actually you are helping the person stood or sat next to you during worship. Because your words and your worship is making a difference to them. I will just say, God likes the words and he likes the music. And I'm not saying he doesn't. 
but I'm, I'm speaking particularly to people that have no interest in music, no interest in singing, who really just would rather be somewhere else during worship. Hopefully that's no one, but there may be one or two. The church, this is a really interesting point. The church needs your voice. If you're quiet on a Sunday or a Monday, or we need your voice. You know what, Tim, and I, I'm sure will happily admit this, or any of the worship leaders that worship in this church, he's not the best worship leader in this church. Do you know who is the best worship leader in this church? The person who is struggling and going through some tough times. But they still turn up on a Sunday. They still lift up their hand. They still sing with, with everything they've got. And that could be one of the guys on stage. I'm not, I'm not knocking what they do. But you, if you're struggling, you've got the best test me. You are the best worship leader. There is no one else better in this church that can communicate your story and your test me than you. So we've got to sing to one another. Because other people may be going through stuff. And I admit this, sometimes in a worship time, you might be just, you might be going through such a tough time that you can't even sing. You're struggling to even open your mouth. You know what, at times like that, I'll do it for you. At times like that, someone else sat next to you, they'll sing for you. They'll sing through faith for you. I'm not saying that we should, when we're, when we're down and out, we should stop singing and let other people do it. But if you, sometimes we just need somebody to stand with us. And that is what worship is not all about, but partly about we come together. As the song says, there's debate about the first line of this song, strange as neighbours. I think even Joel Houston, who wrote the song, he says you can kind of go either strange as neighbours or strangers, comma, Neighbours. We're all strangers potentially, or, and we're also neighbours. But also, if you're a neighbour, brother in Christ, we're also strange. So whatever you, however you want to take the song, we come together. But there could be somebody in this congregation during worship who is really finding life tough. And if you don't let your voice sing out, they might miss an opportunity to be blessed. They might miss an opportunity to have their life changed. It's not all about the preacher. It's not all about the feel or the atmosphere or the moment. You know what? We can minister as a church to each other. Which is kind of what I want to do now. I prepared you. I, I, I didn't, you can't say I didn't warn you. I'm going to help a few people out. Because just to kind of summarize what I'm saying, we're stronger together. There is power in together. We are coming together. And when we pray together, there's significance, there's power. When we serve together, there is significance, there is power. When we praise and we worship together, there is significance and power. And the thought I had in preparation for this message was that in the moment, during a time of worship, people will be healed. People will be released from bondage and things that hold them back. People who were walking into this room nervous, unconfident, ashamed, full of fear, would walk out different. Now that's not because of my preaching. That's not because of Tim singing or Catherine singing. That's not because of the the music. That's because of what God is going to do when he brings people together in a moment. Now if it doesn't happen... (laughs) Hopefully we're still going to have a nice moment. But I, again using Dave as a reference point, let your faith rise. That something in this room can happen. Somebody who walked in sick will walk out well. Somebody, I know no one's physically dead, but maybe spiritually dead. You've walked from Jesus. You know where we've got. You know it. Today you're going to walk out in love with Jesus once more. 
You might be confused about your future. Decisions that you've got to make. Today you're going to get some clarity as you walk out this door. You know what? Not because of my preaching, not because of Tim singing, not because of the song. Because you are going to help one another. Minister to one another.